I'm so excited to talk about it. As we go along, we're gonna get into not only our reviews for the movie with our personal rating system, but also we'll talk about some of the differences between the movie and reality. It's an, a sports movie, it's an action movie, but it's not driven by that. It's driven by the family dynamics, the relationship. A lot of the things that happen in the movie are true. A lot of things maybe were expanded on or, or even brought down a little bit, tamed a little bit. It's a surprise. Oh. You didn't even know that this was coming. What is it? But there's a gift for you. The very end, Andrew and I have a wrestling match <laughs> that we're gonna be doing. Welcome to Backseat Directing. Where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and more. We're your hosts. Andrew. And Aaron. We put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday. And on this episode, we're doing a movie review on the Iron Claw. Three. Two, one, action. All right, the elephant in the room. Zach Efron is huge <laughs> in the Iron Claw. Honestly, you didn't get to it fast enough. Zach Efron's gigantic. He looks so good. Yeah, the he's he's a behemoth, and I like these. Looking into the Von Erich family in real life, like they were built like Mack trucks. Yeah, like, pretty much all of them. What a crazy family to have. Is it six boys? Five boys? Six boys. Yeah, that's. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and to have a dad like they did. Yeah. The chance the chances to have that many boys. Yeah. And, they, and I mean, obviously they fostered a really big idea of a family and brotherhood and not just a love for each other, but the sport of wrestling too, all intertwined into one. We're gonna get into today this crazy story that uh this movie is based off of, this true story that occurred in what the I think the seventies and eighties. Um, but pr primarily in the 80s, I believe, because their rise stardom is like 84 to 87, yep. 89. Yep. So they, the, in the world, like the, the old classic days of wrestling back when there was the NWA and the WCCW, we're going to get a bunch of different federations. Yeah, yeah. When it was all split up, we're going to get into this, this family's story with some tragedy, um, with, you know, beautiful stories too, of love and, and perseverance and resilience. I'm so excited to talk about it. As we go along, we're going to get into not only our reviews for the movie with our personal rating system, but also we'll talk about some of the differences between the movie and reality. And we'll also talk about um, what else did I have here? I have the kind of the the true story of the, yeah. the brothers, individual brothers passings, the, the, of the Von Erich curse. Yeah, the comparison between the movie and real life. Like, you wouldn't even believe that this was a real life story if their real life wasn't documented as heavily as it was, you know, because they're in the limelight, you know, that they're, they're on TV, they're selling out venues, shows, you know, like, so it, it's crazy that the events that happened happened. And you, a lot of times when a story is based on true story in Hollywood, you know, Hollywood puts the flair on it, you know, spices it up. But it was kind of the opposite with this one. They pulled back on some things, you know, because this true story is so too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which how often does that happen? You know, or Holly, even Hollywood's like probably shouldn't add that in. <laughs> yeah, this I'm I'm excited to get into it. But before we start off, I do want to thank anyone who clicked on this video. Thank you so much. Um, hopefully, you stick along for this ride for us as we go kind of into this 
uh, story, this real life story, yeah. and into the movie as well. At, um, at the very end of this episode, so you guys stay all the way to the end. At the very end, Andrew and I have a wrestling match <laughs> that we're going to be doing <laughs> right here on this table. Aaron's coming for the belt. I've been holding on to it for a while now. <laughs> right here on this table. Um, but yeah, we. Is there anything else that we want to get into before we dive right into the show? Yeah, I just want to say thanks for watching. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and share this show with a friend. Um, but before we kind of go in, I have one other thing that I want to show you. Mm -hmm. It's a surprise. Oh. You didn't even know that this was coming. What is it? But there's a gift for you, if you will. And I wanted to show you live on air. What is it? So we can get your live reaction. Take a look at this. Whoa! Oh! <laughs> Take a look at that! Oh my gosh! So for our uh, tilt it forward just a little bit for our few yeah. audio listeners that are out there, Aaron has presented me with a full size poster that he designed for our short film that is in the works, The Body. And Aaron designed this amazing poster. And now has it printed in full format for us to decorate the, pod the podcast set with. But that that's not it. You get your own poster to go home oh with. Oh, my goodness. Now, I can't take full credit for this gift because one of our loyal listeners and followers, Jay, paid for both of these to be printed. Really? For us, yeah. Wow, thank you so much, Jay. So Jay and I kept it a secret from you to give you a little surprise. That is too cool. But yeah, so we got one for the podcast studio, and then Andrew has a, a, a nerd room at his house that you can also hang up the poster. That is, that is stunningly beautiful. Thank you so much, Jay, and thank you, Aaron, for That's collaborating sick. in this surprise. That is, yeah. that is just so cool. Yeah, uh, Jay, I've already said thank you to you, but yeah, thanks, man. I'm, I'm really excited to have this. It's our first short film. Hopefully, be done here soon. I actually got it behind me right now on the computer, finishing up some color and whatnot, but uh, yeah, that... that that poster is like, there's a lot of hard work that went into that movie, and I'm excited that uh, we got something to represent that. And uh, we each do in uh, both of our houses, so that's cool. I'm pumped. I feel like it's like Christmas morning. That's a, a gift I didn't didn't know I needed. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. All right. Into the movie of the day, and that is The Iron Claw. Like we said, this movie is based on true events from pioneers in the wrestling world uh this family the von erics you know like they they set the way you know um and this movie follows their story but more obviously the tragedy that surrounds their family uh which is again wild uh this movie came out last year 2023 it's rated r two hours and 12 minutes long it's got an IMDb rating of an 8.1 out of 10. Solid numbers. And then Rotten Tomatoes, both high scores with the um, critics having an 88% with 193 reviews. And then the audience even higher at 93% with over 1,000 reviews. So pretty much everyone who's seen this movie has enjoyed the movie. And I'm right in that same boat you know I, I had a lot of fun with this movie first thoughts was it was unexpected 
to me because I didn't know much about their real story. You know, I've kind of heard about their name, but I didn't know about all of the tragedy that went along with the name, which was kind of cool to watch on screen, you know, for the first time rather than just kind of hearing about it on the side, you know? That's that's exactly what I was going to say. And and from here on out, we will get into spoiling the movie so that you've been warned, spoiler warning, but... I would definitely recommend going into this movie if you don't already know the true story of the Von Erichs, go into it that way. And and mm-hmm. if you want to look at the real life story and see comparisons, it is mostly accurate. But if you want to look at that, look at it afterwards because the the twists and turns in this movie are just phenomenal. And not knowing that story, I think made it, it elevated it yeah, for me. Yeah, for me too. The, it, it made it such a like exciting ex- experience and not even exciting might not even be the right connotation of a word because it's a harrowing story, but the twists and turns, it's it's gripping is what it is. It's like a gripping thriller of a movie. Absolutely. And it's I, I really enjoyed it as well. So this is an A24 movie. It had a budget of $15 million, which sounds about right, but still pretty low for movies that are coming out it's in cheap today's for, age. Yeah, yeah, cheap for today's. The box office didn't bring in as much as I was thinking in my head before I looked up the numbers. It brought in $27.5 million. So it's just shy of doubling its budget, which pretty good. Yeah, it's you know, like, theaters. Yeah, it's it's a profitable movie, I would say. Um, but I was expecting it to be a little closer to the, the 100. Mm. But maybe I'm just kind of skewed because we do cover a lot of big blockbuster movies on this show, you know. So In my mind, it should be... Um getting some award season recognition too. And I mean, that's another angle to look at for movie success. And for sure. the studio looks at it through that lens too, I think. Yeah. And I mean, like we said, $15 million is pretty small for a Hollywood film, you know, so to, to make more than that is a success, you know? Um, now we're, we're going to go into our creator segment where we talk about the creators in front of, but also behind the camera, uh, because there's a lot of people, man, that go into making a movie. It's ridiculous. It's crazy that movies can even be made because of all the moving parts that are involved and how much collaboration is needed between everyone doing their job but also working together to make the product the best that it can be. Uh, so Andrew's going to take it away from here. Yeah, so it's they were talking about this at the Golden Globes too. It's inherently a collaborative medium. Um, so the people that... We're involved behind the camera is usually like where we where we like to start. So something we always love was when the director writes the movie. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that was Sean Durkin as both the director and writer for this film. Did a phenomenal job translating the story from real life and then executing that vision onto the screen from the, the script afterwards. The cinematographer, I hope I'm pronouncing this name right. I believe it's Matthias Hanum. And then music is by Richard and or Richard Reed Perry. And oh, the editor is, is uh, I'm sorry. The cinematographer is Matthias Erdely, Matthias Erdely, and the the editor is Matthew Hanum. That's that's okay. why that felt wrong. Uh, then our cast in front of the camera, you know him, you love him. Zach Efron is Kevin Von Erich. The next about five names that you'll hear are all Von Erichs. Uh, Harris Dickinson is uh, the brother David. Jeremy Allen White is Carrie. Stanley Simmons is Mike. Holt McAllany as Fritz. Maura Tierney as Doris, and Lily James as Pam. And if you 
We're wondering why the dad who plays Fritz looks familiar. He's in a few things that made him look familiar to me. He's in uh, Mindhunter, the Netflix original <clears throat> series that was created by David Fincher. Um, and then he's also has a really small role in Justice League. He plays like a random criminal that Batman detains. But he's he's probably in other stuff too, but that's where I recognized him from. Yeah, he... So you you normally right around here, we talk about which characters kind of stole the show for us, which was our favorite. Uh Obviously, Zac Efron did a fantastic job in this movie, but I was captivated every time the dad was on the screen. He did a really good job. You know, like, he really sold it, you know, of, like, how much he values wrestling and how much he values his sons being good at wrestling almost more than, if not actually more than how much he values his sons in general. You know, like, we see a... a shot in the very beginning of the film where he's ranking his sons and favorites. Terry is my favorite. Yeah. Followed by Kevin, then David, then Mike. And that can change at any time. <laughs> yeah. And that that's crazy, right? <laughs> like, but I I've watched an interview too with the real life Kevin, and he was saying, Yeah, like that's that's kind of just how like dads were back then. You know, like it wasn't even like unique to our family necessarily, but that's definitely a wild thought in yeah. today's uh, climate. climate. Yeah, <laughs> as Kevin doesn't seem didn't seem, in my opinion, to hold a lot of or really any ill will towards his father. Looking at interviews with him, mm-hmm. the real life Kevin Von Erich seemed like he had respect and admiration for his father. I heard him call him like a great moral man and all all these positive things about him. Whereas the movie obviously shows a lot of contention between the two of them. Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean it's your dad. Yeah, but at the same time, like. He's pushing you to do and your brothers to almost go past the breaking point a few times, you know, it's hard to know the details of what's true. And that's what I was running into, like doing my source code segment for this, because a lot of times you'll see uh, it seems like a lot of the world thinks that so and so did this, whether it be Fritz, a lot of people thinking that he pushed people to do things that push Mike to wrestle when he didn't want to or this and that. And then there's other accounts of people saying that, you know, the, the dad wasn't somebody else was doing this or that he that maybe they say the dad pushed Carrie to hide his uh, amputated leg. But other accounts say that Carrie is the one who wanted to hide it. It's it's hard to know with these real life stories. Nobody's behind closed doors besides this actual family. So yeah. to some degree, it's probably a little bit of both, you know, the pressure of the dad. But then the the kids, the sons, the brothers wanting to do what the dad wants on their own will just because they want his approval. They want him to be proud of him, you yeah. know, like. Uh, yes, they, they're being pushed to do wrestling, but I think at the same time, they all wanted to be involved in wrestling, you know, at least that's what it seemed like from interviews and it would be hard not to, wouldn't it? Like growing up in that family, it'd be hard not to, cause that's just the pastime. It seemed like, you know, it's like, instead of throwing football on Sundays, you know, they're, they're in the wrestling ring. Like it's just kind of what their family seemed to have done. And their dad, who is their hero, they grow up watching him wrestling on television. Like that's. It's, it's kind of hard not to try like fall down that path, especially as as each brother does it. The next brother, I feel like, is yeah, more inclined, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, another actor that really that I really enjoyed watching on screen was Harris Dickinson um, as David Von Erich. I, I feel like he sold the wrestling scenes really well. I mean, he was the tallest of the the boys out there wrestling, you know, and he just. He's six he, two. He, yeah, and he was really good on the mic too, you know, like and even the brothers in the show and the movie are like, 
you know, like, why'd you take that from me? Why'd you speak for yeah. me kind of thing? And, and like, he knocked it out of the park and his dad even said he did, you know, and I think he uh, did a great job of, you know, portraying that, that yeah. presence. It was interesting seeing uh, Zac Efron in this role as the kind of more sheepish brother. Yeah. Because like, I feel like you never see Zac Efron like that. It's always like these cocky, the characters, yeah. you know, whether it's neighbors, greatest showman, high school musical, whatever. I mean, he might have his struggles, but he's always very skilled and, and confident in when he's doing whatever he's doing. So yeah. it's interesting to see this more like tempered approach where he like, his voice is a little bit more like uh, guarded and reserved, I guess. He's like a little quieter, but yeah. he's still like, is very much physically, athletically impressive. And that's kind of what they said in that Vice documentary that we watched is that Kevin was the most athletically talented probably of the brothers. Yep. And I think they said, Carrie was the most entertaining and David was the most talented wrestler. Yeah. But yeah. Carrie was huge, by the way. <laughs> Carrie was the biggest brother. Yeah. And just a hulking. Well, I, I think David might have been the, the tallest, but but yeah. Carrie's by far the, the most muscular and, and heaviest brother. Yeah. I saw some real clips of them in that documentary on Vice YouTube channel. And yeah, they were all stacked <laughs> in real life. Uh but Let's let's kind of move into our ratings. This is where we break down movies by six different categories to help us give a constructive rating of the movie. The first of which is the story. We think this is the most important part of a movie. If everything else is a perfect 10, but the story is a five, it's not going to be a very memorable movie. Uh, so, Andrew, for the story, out of 10 points, what did you give it? I gave it an eight. Okay, nice. Yeah, I did it. as well. Are we, uh, are we gonna do the the perfect dude perfect game this time? We, we haven't yet. <laughs> we haven't yet. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So why, why did you give it an eight? I gave it an eight because I was captivated the whole time. It's a it's an a sports movie. It's an action movie, but it's not driven by that. It's driven by the family dynamics, the relationships, family, <laughs> and they. They used the action of the wrestling and the training and all of that as story beats to move the story forward. You know, like they didn't just go and wrestle to go and wrestle, you know, like they they went and wrestled in parallel to what's going on in the story. And I thought that was really well balanced. And then the fact that it actually happened and I feel like they adapted it really well. And we're, we'll talk about like what they changed and stuff. But yeah, it. I was captured the whole time. I, I actually saw this in the theaters by myself, which when I watch movies by myself, I tend to drift off. You know, I'm, I'm an old man. I'll admit it. But I did not fall asleep during this movie at all. I'd be, I would have been so mad at you. And I wasn't close to falling asleep either. <laughs> I, I was engaged. I had a Pop-Tart, you know, and just snacking on that throughout the movie. Had my my water, you know, and... and uh, Stared at Zac Efron's abs the whole time. I went and saw this movie with my fiance, who this is not usually her kind of movie. She's not a big yeah. Andrew ditched me, drama fan. But my, my I, movie date left me. I, I had the chance to go see it, and I went to go see it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and quickly put it into my top three favorite movies of 2023. And then I was pushing Aaron to go see it from there. The, I'm glad I did see it. I, I just wanted to see it with someone. I I enjoy yeah. movies more when I watch them with other people. I'm glad you but, went too, especially because yeah. now we can cover it. Um, and seeing it in theaters is just the best way to see a movie, obviously. But um, I give the story an 8 out of 10 because, like you said, I thought they did a great job adapting it, uh, adapting the real-life story. And I think it's all kind of 
laid out very well in the scene between Lily James and Zac Efron when they're eating ribs in that restaurant. And she's like, what do you want? He's like, I, I want to be world champion. And she's like, is that all you want? And he says, uh, well, I want to, I want to be with my brothers. I want to be with my family. And I was like, uh, that's a, a good depiction of what the movie as a whole is. Cause mm -hmm. the movie, like you said, is it's about wrestling, but it's really about family. Yeah. And, um, man, is it, a, it's an inspiring true story in a way, even with how devastating and sad it is and how hard it would be to watch again because of it, the emotionality. Dude, it's literally like, whoop, dodged a bullet there, not crying. And then something else happens. It's like, Dude, that one's a little closer. And then the third one comes by and you're like, <laughs> starting to get to me. And then Zach Efron's like, I, I used to have five brothers. Oh my God, dude. When And now I'm not even a brother. Why are you crying? Like, Why are you crying, Dad? <laughs> Why are you crying, Dad? I, like, cause I it got to, me, man. It I, got me. Because I used to be a brother. Oh, yeah. my God. Dude, I, I literally cried. Dude, I, in the theater by myself. I'm like, son of a gun, man. <laughs> it's like, I'm just... Uh. But my, uh, my fiance turned over to me at the end of the movie, just tears running down yeah. my face. But, like, yeah. it was, like... It was like a good kind of cry too, because like the moment when I did cry was like this like emotionally cathartic part in the movie. Yeah, they my, that's why I give the story such a high score on on this category is because the ending to me was so good, one yeah. of the best movie endings I've seen in a while. Like, can you name a better movie ending from last year? It was solid. That's and, my favorite movie. Ending and like like a, like we said, like there's tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. Spoiler: all the brothers died, <laughs> and then at the end, like. Yeah, you're really sad and the deaths were very impactful. But then that moment where this stoic character is breaking down in front of his children and then the children come up and they're like, what's wrong, daddy? And then I, I really liked how the kid said, do you want to talk about it? Or or can you tell me how you feel? Or he said yeah. something like that. It was a very good answer of these or, kids were was, acting their ass off too. Dude, it was they, a, those kids were so good. Yeah, it was a very good question for someone who's like going through these feelings that maybe they don't even know how to interpret. And I'm like, yeah. man, like that was very deep for this eight year old no, kid. To, they were they were mature. Like they were dude, those kids. They yeah. were they're awesome. The the way he was like, um, oh, it's he's like you you shouldn't see me like this. And the kid says something like, well, we cry all the time, Dad. Yeah, does there's that make us not a man? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with crying. And it's like when you look at it through like you know, I'm looking at everyone else in the theater, and I'm like, there's nothing wrong. with crying. <laughs> Stop staring. Yeah. Why is that guy crying so loud? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Just watch the movie. But yeah, dude, I was bawling. And Zach, credit to Zach Efron's performance. Like, he, like you said, delivers such a good performance in this movie. But to me, the the story's so good because of the end. The end pulls it together so well. And what could otherwise just be like pure sadness and devastation. I was talking to a friend about this actually today because I watched a movie called Talk to Me. It also came out last year. It's a, a, a A24 movie. It takes place in Australia, a horror movie. And I was like, this movie's just that kind of movie where like bad things happen, bad things happen. And it's just bad, worse and worse. But like, there's no like emotional payoff. And to me it's like, mm. Iron Claw was such the opposite where yeah. it's like bad things happen and then you have this emotional payoff. That end scene when the brother's riding on the boat and did you notice that there's the quarter next to him and it's it's facing, um, I believe, heads up. And it's that's what Fritz said earlier when they both had a chance to go in the ring against Ric Flair and chance at the title. He said, heads, it's going to be Kevin's turn. Tails, it's going to be your turn, Kerry. So he sits on the boat heading towards his other brothers who have passed away with the coin sitting up indicating that it is now Kevin's turn. Like the brothers have passed on, but it's Kevin's turn. Kevin, 
like, oh my god, that was and and he gets off the boat and he reunites with all his brother, including including the youngest brother, Jack Jr. Jack Jr. And he's like, fix. I haven't met you yet. It's like, oh, oh my god, dude. Oh, but it's like it's like so much tragedy, and they've all different brothers have their battles with depression or like crazy accidents and and now they're they're reunited they're back in their brotherhood and even though they've all passed away there's like this beautiful uplifting message at the end that like they're together and that's such a good way i think to look at the world but also for kevin to get to look at it because that guy has had to go through so much and like in the vice documentary that we looked at his uh his outlook is just so positive he's like yeah Mm -hmm. i don't want you to feel bad for me like i'm such a blessed guy i'm the most blessed guy in the world and he has this beautiful family now. Like, dude, he like, dude deserves to be happy. He's had to go through so much. So for that to be displayed as the ending, the brothers being united, so cathartic and emotional. And then to cut back to Kevin, like with his sons, the line that took me out was when his his sons said, "We'll be your brothers, Dad." I was like, "Oh my god, no!" It's like... Yeah, <laughs> we'll be your brother's dad. Oh, I've been saying that since the movie came out. And this movie has really stuck with me. Like, I mean, everybody, like, has loss in their life. And everybody has, you know, we lose family members. We have difficulties with, with families, losing family or friends. And, like, and for, for those little kids to say that, it's like, you know, you have chosen brothers. Like, you know. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's. Yeah, man. I, I love it. It, it made me great. it made me feel really good, even mm-hmm. when I was crying. Like I felt, I felt like inspired by this story that could yeah. be seen as negative. Yeah, you left like hopeful and happy, and rather than just devastated. Yeah, you know, like you said that other movie, just bad thing after bad thing happened just to happen. Like, <laughs> but this there was there's like a message, there's yeah. a payoff. You know, like you can get through it, kind of thing. Uh, man so, story stellar i feel happy just thinking about it. yeah because like how do they how do they do such a beautiful thing with that with like turning something on its head mm-hmm. you know turning this terrible thing into yeah like how do you make the story of five brothers dying a good one you know that 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 isn't just sad the entire time or depressing the entire time you know like yeah. you're not leaving the theater depressed like if we left the theater depressing like it wouldn't stick with us as long yeah you know um, all right, let's move on this very close to this category and the next category is acting. This is also at a 10 points. We've talked a lot about the performances that we've enjoyed so far. So now it's time to put a very valuable number on this, you know, because our opinion matters most when it comes to these kind of movies. So the audience is waiting, Andrew. What did you give? the acting for the iron claw did we get the same thing let's find out i gave it an 8.5 oh i gave it an eight dang we're so close we've yet to have (laughs) the same score one day it'll happen the chances are so slim it's gotta be on like a crappy movie where everything's like a one or something (laughs) or a fantastic movie where everything's a 10 which hasn't happened yet so (laughs) yeah just wait till despicable me four comes out Yeah, I'm giving that a zero. Don't don't even go watch it, guys. You can't. You you can try. <laughs> try all you want. So you gave it an A. I gave it an eight point five. Great scores. I gave it eight point five because I just feel like everybody delivered. Like everybody, Lily James, Absolutely. Maura Tierney. Lily James had a, obviously a lot less lines to deliver in this movie than someone like Zac Efron. But then I feel like every scene she was in, she did such an incredible job. I mean, when she comes to get the mom out of the room before she has to go mm. into the funeral subtle. of like her it's second subtle, son. Subtle, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, also, Zach Efron did a really good job of pretending like he wasn't acting or couldn't act. 
you know, like when he was doing the press conferences yeah. and stuff, and 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 Kevin was known to not be as good on the microphone, you know, like it he, felt awkward. You he know, was you awkward, and, yeah, and it was, and it felt so real that like he was actually awkward. But it's like, I feel like it's really hard to act as if you're acting, you know? Yeah, it because it's like double and you want you the know? audience and to be able to tell that yeah. right like you want them to see you in one scene and not think you're acting and right. see you in another scene and think you're acting. like it it's can't be so do. bad that it's just bad yeah you know <laughs> like it's got to be like a, a good balance and and then also they've they all did a fantastic job actually being in the ring you the know physicality that, that's why i gave it the extra that, point that goes yeah. into acting you know is like being able to sell the stunts like even if it's not the actors themselves since the stunt uh coordinators and and stuntmen doing the work like how well does it sell how believable is it how you know like unique is it how exciting is it and they did a phenomenal job in all of the training montages sequences and then of course while they're in the ring and if i'm remembering correctly all of those shots when they're like in the ring they were actually performing like a 10 to 15 minute like show and they would do that over and over and film it rather than just filming one or two shots at a time. Like they actually did the whole thing wow. a few times through. And uh, rather than just doing one-off shots, I'm sure they did some one-off shots, you know, on some of the harder moves, but they would actually go through the ring and they were asking like one of the stunt coordinators too, like could Zach Efron like actually work the ring? It's like, well, he did like we, we did eight to 10, 12 minute rounds, you know, where we're going through this whole planned thing, you know, where he's being a wrestler, you know? So like with a little bit more training, like he definitely could. It's kind of what that guy was saying, you know, and like it was believable on screen, not just from Zach either, but from everyone else. Yeah. They hired, I believe, professional wrestlers to help with the, the stunt coordinating for this movie and help train the actors to believably portray wrestlers in the ring. And it's, the, the action sequences in this movie are really cool, you know? Um, the the scenes where they're getting thrown out of the ring or or jumping off the top rope, I think, is the coolest thing for me personally to see. But they got to be fun so to well. do, right? Yeah. Just but, jump and land on someone like that. So the physicality of the performances is incredible. But uh, And some of those slow motion shots, like particularly the one where he's coming off the top rope and the guy jumps mm -hmm. and meets him in the air to where you can see... Wow, it, I mean, they look, it looks amazing the the stunt yeah. work and, and the shot, but the performances too. Like we talked about the dad a little bit already, um, McCallany, who played Fritz. He just did such a good job, I think, of playing this kind of like reserved Texas father who um, had a lot of pride in, in himself and what he did, and also in his kids, to a point where he was in a way the villain of the story, but he was never acting or being portrayed in a way that was so over the top villainous. You know, it was like you could feel a real fatherly bond or you could feel like he went out to Carrie and he was like that something's been taken to you the same way, taken from you the same way that football's from t been taken from me. He didn't go out there and, and say, like, you're a failure because the Olympics got canceled, which obviously wasn't Carrie's fault. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I thought that he was portrayed really well as a complex human being of a character, even if he was portrayed, you know, despicable in general sense. Yeah. Did you notice when? that scene that you were just talking about where they're like all working in the field and he comes up and he's like, football got taken from me, blah, blah, blah. I think you should try wrestling, you know, and, and whatnot. Do you notice how like they didn't react, the brothers didn't react at all until 
the father left, you know, like they, yeah. they kind of held it all in and had to be stoic around their father, but then excited yeah. for each other when he left. And it's like a cool little detail, you know? Yeah. It's like, in a way they are, they're definitely scared of their father. Like the way that Kevin approaches, um, the mother, is her name Dorothy, uh, more Tierney's character. Oh yeah. Doris. Like in she the beginning, he her in the beginning and says, dad's too tough on Mike. You got to talk to dad. And she's like, that's between them. And the, the family has this whole vibe throughout the movie that it's like approach things head on that's between you and him like and nobody wants to really like take on the dad in that sense as like the patriarch of the family didn't turn out to be a uh very valuable uh approach. way to do things yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least this is what, from what we saw in the movie yeah right um okay our next category again we're kind of going right into the next one we we're talking about how beautiful some of the shots were our next one includes the shots, and that is cinematography. This category, I feel like, is pretty big. It encompasses a lot of things. We got the camera movement, the composition. We have the um, like different lenses. Yeah, the blocking. The uh, but also like the the special effects, the VFX, uh, color grading, and then editing. So a lot of stuff right. I just said goes into this. But basically, everything that you see. And the way that it's presented to you is in this category, the lighting, you know, um, I gave this an eight out of 10 as well. So far, I've been eights all across the board. Uh, what did you give it? I gave it a nine out of 10. Nine. Okay. I, what, what jumped you from being an eight to going up to a nine? For me, it was just really the, the coloring of the film. Like the, I don't know. It had a very film, like, uh, and how do, is, is that saying right, right to say analog film? It had a very <laughs> film style feeling as opposed to digital. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so it's I, very vintage. Yeah. I really liked how well that got the trailer playing right now as we're talking about it. I really like how well they captured the uh, the aesthetic of the time period mm -hmm. and how to, the movie had like an aged feeling to it. And then even the way they captured like footage from that time period and the, when something was being videotaped they would make it look as though it was being uh, recorded on on film in the 80s yeah it it looks phenomenal like you said the lighting looks great especially when they're like in the rink you know they 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 really like contrast the natural lighting of all the other scenes and then the epic lighting in the arena you know i can i can call to mind too the thing that uh one of the things that makes me really like the cinematography is i can call to mind certain shots that are just beautiful like mm -hmm. specifically remembering the that shot that's the opening of the trailer where he's coming back and forth against the ropes and like yep. the way the focus is on the rope mm -hmm. it, and then the the shots of the dad in the opening in black and white and the shots of the ring in general like the, there's a shot of the empty ring that's in black and white and it just for some reason looks so stunning to me yeah no the cinematography was phenomenal in this movie um one thing that i noticed that stuck out to me was they had this incorporated in their style of of holding really long shots without cutting you know and I, I noticed it a few times throughout that in certain scenes you know to help tray the the weight of the moment they held one camera angle for a long time a perfect example is when zach or kevin is kind of bouncing against the the ropes like you were just talking about he does that like what like 15 times yeah, before time. they even switch but even when they're talking to people, they'll like keep it on the screen of one person and the other person's talking, but they don't cut to them. They they stay there. Uh, that's the epic shot right there of 
Kevin jumping off of the ropes. But yeah, it's very well well done. Did the shot another shot that I really liked was the shot through that small window after Zac Efron's match or Kevin's match. He has the ice pack on his back. Mm-hmm. They like move up from the door and and look through the window. This like voyeuristic perspective, looking down at the brothers and like their private moment. Um, I don't know. I just, the the shot the the shooting style of this movie to me felt really intimate, and I like that because it's yeah. an intimate story. Yeah, it felt intimate and like classic. Yeah, you know, I, is that a good way to describe yeah. it? You said you vintage know? before yeah. too, like classic vintage. Yeah, yeah. it felt. It felt aged, which is really nice mm-hmm. to see in new movies because it has like a comfortable feeling. You don't get a lot of like aged movies anymore because everything's new and digital. So yeah. it just has like a homey, natural feeling, which like this is a family story. The shot, two of them sitting together in the um, in the stall when David is, is getting sick at the wedding. It's like so small. They're tight yeah. together. It's like tight. That, like their bond that's is tight. a perfect example of like not yeah. cutting. It was just that one shot. Yeah. Like, pretty much the entire scene, if not the entire scene. Which is also, too, almost reminiscent of, like, a home video. You know, mm-hmm. you don't cut in a home video. So it's, like, adds to this yeah. family feel for the movie. It's definitely a conscious decision, too, you know? It draws so, you in and makes you feel like a member of the family, which well, is a big draw of the You know what it really does? The brothers. It puts more pressure on the actors to do an even better job. Because when they're going through these big scenes, like you said, like in the bathroom, or there's... Right after all the three brothers were fighting in the rink and stuff, and then the dad gets up on the mic, it's just a one shot of them all zooming in very, very slow. And he's talking, you know, for, I don't know, a full minute, you know, and like you, there's no cut. So you can't hide not knowing all of the lines, you know, and it, it just brings you to that environment it's like you're sitting in the stands dude zach efron is acting so well in that scene too and he's a complete background character because yeah. the focus is on the dad fritz giving that speech and the dad's announcing david's like gonna go to japan and go for the shot at the at the title and zach efron's in the background hearing this for the first time you could see disappointment on his face i think that's like the first spot they cut you know yeah. it's like i i I think he messed up and it's like no dad doesn't make mistakes like that yeah. but you but the thing too is he's not just portraying disappointment he's he's got to hide it because he's giving a performance he's still on the stage on the yeah. ring he's and they also performing. they're also pretending to not be tired but showing that they're tired like it's very well done yeah it's very well done oh man it's but the the familiar nature of the movie i think is so cool and that ties in with the shots the story the acting the what the the documentary I'm gonna reference it again. You can find this on YouTube. Yeah, Vice watch Time. it. It was, yeah. it was really good. It's a little 45 minute documentary on the Von Erich family. But they say how the one of the biggest appeals to this family was that they were like Texas born, all American, like, and they were a family that you felt like you. A lot of people in Texas felt like they were parents to these boys, like young boys that seemed like good and moral. Am I developing like a Texas accent or like <laughs> I don't know. Southern accent? But <laughs> but they were saying that. Like, and there's even a cut a cutaway in the documentary to this lady who's like, "Yeah, this, this are good boys. Like everyone feels like they like they're part of the family," and and the movie does the same thing, which I feel like was important for to work for the movie to actually work to do that. You yeah, know, for us to like them and care about them to then feel the devastation of the loss. Absolutely. Um, our next category, Andrew, is sound design. This includes the score, the soundtrack. And also, like, all the sound effects that you hear, the Foley work, you know, the, the, the punches land in, the, the creaks of the the mat as they're wrestling, you know, the, the sounds of the car. The on the yeah. reverb of the rope. Yeah, so um, a lot of stuff is included in this, basically everything you hear. Um, this is also out of 10 points. What did you give this one? I give it a 7.5. Okay, I give it a 7. 
Okay. And I, I feel like I had it as a seven. This is my lowest score. Everything else has been eights up until now for me. Um, I feel like uh, this one's a notch down, maybe because this is the longest that we've gone from watching the movie to doing a review. It's been, what, two weeks since I've seen it? Probably longer. Four weeks since you've seen yeah. it, somewhere around there. Uh, so the sound design, just when I was rating it, didn't stick out to me as much as the other elements. But it definitely didn't hinder any part of the movie at all. Yeah. You know, like it it did its job. It did its job really well. It just it wasn't at the next level where I was like, oh, my God, you know, yeah. that was amazing. I think they killed it in that. The Some of the main aspects you talked about in terms of like the Foley work is incredible in this movie. Um, it like you said, it's hard to do stuff like that. So mm -hmm. all the props off to, the, to that. Uh, the the songs used in the movie the soundtrack are great because it harkens back to that era it ties you into the era of the the 80s they use 80s music throughout the movie yep but, but that opening song i forget the name of it but that was with, actually their opening song too. oh yeah so that's cool i think they play a good 80s song too when they're like cutting through some of the time period kind of things to get mm -hmm. you into the feel of that that era yep. but the to me i just give a lot of weight to like an original score and mm -hmm. i didn't feel like uh super memorable original score from the movie in particular and that's the only reason i wouldn't rank it higher yeah uh ready going in our next category yeah we're almost getting through we're almost all the way through all of our ratings and then we'll kind of go into breaking down the stories of what happened in real life versus the movie um, but our next category is set and character design so this is different from cinematography because this is like the actual environments that they're choosing to shoot in. This is the the clothes that they're choosing to wear and all that stuff that goes into designing the locations and uh, costumes that everyone is wearing. So this we gave, we give five points is the max. So what did you give this category, Andrew? For second character design, I gave it four out of five. I was at a 3.5. Uh, I've been 0.5 ahead of you on everything since the first one. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I liked it. I think they did a great job, you know, of capturing the, the time period. I I really enjoyed, um, you know, like, again, we've, we talked about, like, the, the scale of the fights, you know, in the arena versus the closeness of when we're at the house or you know, just around town, like, or at that party that they went to, like, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was solid. I always love, and, and we talk about this with air too. I always love when a movie that's like a, you can call it a period piece, even though it's only like 40 years ago, but it's, it's a period piece in, time. in the eighties. Um, I love the attention to detail that has to go into that. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of effort for the people who made the movie. I mean, they, they talk about an air, like they changed out a bunch of license plates to fit the time period. Like every car in the movie has got to be, you gave this a four. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have, you can't have a car that came out in the nineties. So every car in the movie has got to be from the eighties changing license plates on those vehicles. You know, the, the clothing, the branding, if there's a Pepsi, it's got to look like a Pepsi from the eighties. It's obviously logos and brands change a lot, whether it be all the yeah. clothing. And then you've got to have everybody with in this movie has a unique hairstyle. That's more fitting to the time period. Very, uh, <laughs> not not common today's time period some of these hairstyles um but which all the boys were wearing a wig except jeremy allen white he actually grew his hair out oh man good and for him, wore dude. his hair like that yeah they, i thought that they all looked really cool i mean they, there's been some people giving giving them a hard time for some of the hairstyles but the i think that 
the hairstyles were great. The clothing was cool because I like it because it's unique. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's not what you see every day. They're wearing cutoffs. They're wearing um, like shirts with net with netting tank tops. Zac Efron wears at one point. So I just really liked all the attention to detail, and that's that's why it was four out of five for me. And then the set design is really cool. Like the house is incredible. I think their real house was smaller because Kevin called it a shack. He said in the in the documentary he said they lived on uh, 16 acres in like a little shack while their dad was wrestling. But the it's just like a beautiful little piece of nature where they're it's like an island where their family is it's just them and the rest of the world doesn't exist on all this property you know so i thought that was a really cool set piece so much of the movie taking place there and then the ring is the other big set piece the wccw ring like man did that look cool especially that shot i talked about where it's in black and gray and everything's empty and it's just like this arena this shrine this like place that means everything to them i think they call it the sportatorium um, I, I thought that set was really cool and had to be because a lot of the movie takes place there. Absolutely. <clears throat> Our last category, Andrew, is rewatchability. This is important when it comes to a movie. You know, like if if the more times you want to watch a movie is the better the movie is to you. So the way we ask this question is if you had five, if you were asked five times and you weren't doing anything else, it was either you do nothing or you watch this movie. How many of those five times would you say yes to watching The Iron Claw? Uh, especially because of the fact that the person acting that, asking that would have to hear me say, no way, you also like Iron Claw? <laughs> I would give it a four out of five also. Nice. I gave it a three out of five, uh, which I feel like after talking about it for the last, what, 40 minutes or so, I, I could sneak it up to a 3.5 or a four, but... I made my bed. I'm going to lay in it. Uh, <laughs> made, made your ring. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I really enjoyed definitely more than half of the time. I would want to watch this movie. Like you said, it it stuck with me. And um, it's it's not easy for movies or stories in general to do that. You know, like you can have a good time with it, but then maybe you don't think about it that much. You know, there's probably only a handful of movies that you are constantly thinking about after you watch and this is one of those movies, you know, they they balanced the tragedy tragedy versus the life lessons versus the the hope, you know, and happiness and what what happens with like fame, but then what's the positive of that, but then also what's the negative of that? There's a lot of aspects to the story to ponder and think about after the fact. And then since it's real, right away I wanted to learn more and more about the family, so I watched the documentary, I watched behind the scenes of the the movie and I was excited to do so you know to see how the actors got into character what they did to learn the different moves or or encapsulate the feelings that the family was going through in certain times and yeah the the, the story stuck with me yeah I think that um, I probably would have given it honestly a three or even a 2.5 before the last uh, 10-15 minutes of the movie and then the last 10 minutes of the movie happened and rocked it up to a four for me. Cause I would go, I'd go through all of this again, just to get to that, like yeah, the feeling at the end. You probably say that because you enjoyed the movie, but then at the end you, you couldn't see the movie that well because your eyes were full of tears. <laughs> so you'd want to rewatch it in hopes to not cry. So you could see the movie. I have to watch it four times just to <laughs> get myself under control. No, I, I think that, like I said, it's one of the best movie endings that I can remember seeing in a while. Yeah. And I think I, I went to the theater talking to my fiance about how the endings of movies are so important. And I think it's the ending is probably the most common place where movies lose people or the, the most likely place for a movie to really like dovetail for somebody's opinion of the movie, you know, because mm -hmm. 
what the the very end of the movie is your last thought of the movie and that makes yeah. it the most powerful thing to, for controlling your opinion when you leave that theater if you like 90 percent of the movie and the last 10 percent sucked what are people going to say they're going to walk out turn to their friends and be like man that movie they really they they biffed it the end of that movie was bad it was great and they ruined it that's what happened a lot with leave the world behind you know i had a, this, a lot of people said that yeah a lot of people didn't like the ending and that in return, a lot of people said that they didn't like the movie. Yeah. You know, like like you said, ending's important. It's such a valuable thing. And my, my favorite movie of all time, The Dark Knight, to me, partially is my favorite because to me it's the best movie ending of all time. And it's it just gets me like rocketing out of my chair and excited. Um, whereas this movie like makes me feel emotional. So I, I think that the the value of that can't be overstated. Like an incredible ending makes um can make or break a movie. I agree. We should do a draft on the best movie endings. Ooh, that's a good one. Best movie endings, openings. You know? Yeah, we gotta write that down so yeah. we don't forget. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's kind of move on. Oh, your my overall total, score. Total score. Yeah, my yeah. To, my total score was an eight point two, which just comes in point one above IMDb's score right now. Nice. Mine is mine wrong. Mine's a seven point four. It doesn't sound that wrong because you were but, you were always below me by a little bit. Yeah. It. I, that this is one of the few times where I've written down the score and I was like, "Ooh, that's quite a few points lower than what I would have r written it as if we didn't have these categories." You know, I would have probably been right around where you're at, like yeah. an eight to an eight point three, or even a four. Like, I thought the movie was great, but just the different aspects of the movie kind of brought the score down just a little bit for me. But it's the areas that solid you, movie that that you and I rate the highest. You gave high scores. Yeah, like story cinematography yep absolutely um okay so now we can move on oops <laughs> mic placement uh yeah now we can move on to our source code bum, 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 bum. this is where we talk about the original source material for whatever movie story comic uh we're talking about for the day and this movie like we've said a number of times is based on true story and a lot of the things that happen in the movie are true. A lot of things maybe were expanded on or or even brought down a little bit, tamed a little bit. Um, and I, I think the first place to start is the biggest difference between real life and the movie, and that is that there was another brother that wasn't mentioned or featured in the movie at all, and his name was Chris. Uh, he was the fifth brother? Sixth. He was the youngest? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So he, he wasn't mentioned at all in the movie. And the reason for that is that the director and, and whatnot, they were saying that it was it made the movie too long and maybe, like, unbelievable. Mm. You know, that, like, yet another brother passed away. Yeah. And you're right. Or he's right. Like, it does sound unbelievable but unfortunately it actually happened that way the younger brother did pass away yeah so the story with chris von eric is that he was kind of the runt of the von eric family in the sense that he was different reports have him at five four five five much he was, shorter yeah he was much shorter than the average of the other brothers Couldn't put on weight he was easily. he was asthmatic and due to using an inhaler for a long period of time which is technically a steroid it weakened his bones so he also had brittle bones that could easily be damaged in the ring he was easily injured he wasn't as strong or athletic as athletic as the other brothers um but he was really close with um his older brother mike who was 
you know, the the fifth out of six brother out of the six brothers, and he took it really hard when Mike died, and then after. Um, attempting a wrestling career, Chris did not do very well. The depression coupled between those two things of losing his older brother to suicide and um, not performing very well um, in wrestling, he committed suicide, unfortunately, with uh, with a handgun. And so the director and writer, Sean Durkin, feeling that those stories were just too similar and mm -hmm. uh, too much for the audience to be put through again on repeat, um, they I believe they went with the idea of kind of melding some elements of Chris's story in with Mike's story. So the actor um, Simmons, who who plays Mike, is meant to portray some of the elements of the younger brother Chris as well and kind of create those two stories as one. Because initially when I heard that story too, I was shocked. I was like... There's another one? It's unbelievable that not yeah. only that this happened again, but it's also unbelievable that it was omitted from the movie. Because if I was Kevin and have one of my brothers not included in the story, I would kind of would make me feel a little bit upset. Mm -hmm. um, but the movies from what I've heard is blessed by Kevin, you know, uh, he, it has his approval. So, um, I, I think that he understands that certain concessions have to be made. You know, this is not going to be one for one story when it's adapted for Hollywood. It's, they're usually based on true events or inspired by true events and not necessarily like it'd it's, be a documentary. If yeah. I was going to say, it's not a documentary. Yeah. It's, it's meant to kind of entertain and explain the story, but, take creative control over it a little bit too, you know? Um, he, and I think when he died, he was 21 years old. Yeah. He was 21 years old, which is horrific and sad as well. So young. So Fritz, the father, uh, did start out as the wrestler and he did make that move, the iron claw where he takes his hands and basically just smashes the temples of his opponent. Uh, and, they, they did live in the RV, you know, like he did buy a car randomly when they couldn't necessarily afford it. Um, and he played this villainous character in the wrestling ring. Omitted from the movie. Omitted uh, from it, the movie it, because it was too much <laughs> and probably a good thing. Um, it, it, you know how you said like in the beginning how he didn't seem very villainous. Well, if they put this in like... He would have clearly been like the bad guy, you know. There, there wouldn't have been very much redeeming aspects of him. I feel like in the movies standpoint, at the least. But he's a wrestler, and he wanted to. What better way to capture people's attention than to be the villain? And he wanted, and then he was thinking, "What's the worst thing I could be? A Nazi. <laughs> what can't doesn't get any worse than that." So he made up this Nazi persona and became the villain. And that's kind of how he grew in the beginning, you know? Yeah, in the NWA. And he did eventually become, uh, I believe, a heavyweight champion, but he didn't become, like, the heavyweight national champion like he mm -hmm. wanted to. Um, it's so ironic that he was considered one of the most hated heels or villains in all of wrestling. And then he, they would turn around and move to Texas and raise his boys in the WCCW as kind of, like, the shrine of, like, morality and, like, Christian, all-American, Texas-born, like, raise them as these, like, incredible heroes of wrestling that Always everybody forgiven. saw as, everyone saw him as virtuous right so yeah very ironic um but that time when they were living with the rv this is where the first son passed away in a freak accident he was young i'm not sure how old six six, year, six years old yeah jack jr he passed away by 
getting like electrocuted or something by the RV and then he fell into the snow and ended up drowning. Yeah, he was walking home from school. He yeah. stepped on the, the trailer tongue, it was called. I don't know what that is, but it electrocuted him and drowned in the... What a crazy freak accident. Because you... And this is this is a big question I wanted to ask you going into this too, is... And I, and I haven't brought it up before filming. I do not believe in curses, but <laughs> as, as you watch this as a true story... It becomes harder and harder to believe that this family isn't cursed as events continue to transpire. What do you think about the concept of a curse and and the Von Erich curse in specificity? I mean, it feels real, right? It feels hard to deny. Yeah, it feels hard to deny, and I don't believe in this. Is it because he? But is it because he willingly chose to be a Nazi when he didn't have to? Maybe (laughs) that seems. Man, what a (laughs) what a bad decision, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) like that. But no, even before. There was like tragedy in his grandparents. Oh, I don't know this. Yeah, they're like, they took the Von Erich name or whatever from like, I think the dad's grandma's side or, or mom's side or something. And But like tragedy ha- happened with that name and stuff, but they went with it. Yeah, because I think in the movie they said that that's where it, I think it harkened back to that. Yeah. I think they mentioned that at one point in the movie. So let's just, let's go, I'm going to go over like a snap list of the tragedies in this family, right? So this is the 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 quick Minute version of the Von Erich family yep. curse. So we've got um, six children. So six boys. Fritz and Doris have. What six are the boys, odds of that? Right. <laughs> and then um, the first boy, Jack, dies of electrocution and subsequent drowning. At 1959. And then following that, the next child to die is David. The David. Now the second oldest. Now that Jack has passed yep. away, David dies in Japan of acute enteritis. Which there are conspiracy theories that he died of drug overdose, and that the wrestler who found him hid the drugs, so that that wouldn't. But but the the release from the Japanese press was officially that it was acute enteritis. So that's the story. That even happened if, in 1984. Even if much of the wrestling world believes that it was a drug overdose, and it's, I believe it said Ric Flair said in his autobiographical autobiographical book that he wrote that it was drug overdose, but and it, it was literally right before the title fight that his dad so desperately wanted in the family. Yeah. But that all that that story is all speculation too, so I wouldn't hold much much weight to the drug overdose story. Then the the next brother to pass away um is Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Mike dies um from he's wrestling in Israel. This is really the start of the story wrestling in Israel. He gets uh, his shoulder injured, goes in for a routine so- shoulder surgery and ends up with complications resulting in toxic shock syndrome. Um, where he's never really the same after this. Kevin in the documentary says that um, he would have like outbursts, attacking a, an empty car with nobody in it, attacking like a telephone pole and inanimate objects. So he Dude, that this... that that press conference that they did in the hospital or whatnot when in the movie where uh, Mike is talking, he's like, "I'll be yeah. back in the ring." And then watching the Vice documentary where they show that press conference, and he's like, "I'll be back." You know, it's like. Man, that was hard, yeah. you know, to watch and then to see how close to real. Yeah. Well, a lot that of stories, reality. A lot of stories, including the movie, say that Mike didn't even really want to wrestle. I mean, I'm sure. In yeah, some, the movie portrays that he wants to be a musician. Yeah, and then uh, one account I saw it was on Wikipedia, but it said that he wanted to be a cameraman. He wanted to work in the wrestling as a cameraman, and that he didn't want to increase his time in the ring, but that the father pressured him to, and then ultimately he gets injured, leading down to this road where. He's got these emotional outbursts after the toxic shock syndrome, and then he eventually uh, commits suicide. And that uh, was three years after David died in '87. Wow. I mean, in just that three-year period to lose two brothers, um, 
it's so gut-wrenching and, and emotional. But um, the next brother to pass away is a brother not featured in the movie, Chris Von Erich. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it's just resulting depression from uh, the failure to live up to the wrestling dreams that were in the family and the loss of his older brother, Mike, who he's very close with. Um, he also uh, shoots himself. Um, I, I Actually, when I say also shoots himself, um, that's getting into the future. But um, the, the method of suicide for Mike was uh, tr overdosed by tranquilizers. Um, mm. What was the, do you have the date for Mike? Yep. Or I'm sorry, for Chris. for Chris. For Chris, four years after his brother Mike in 91. Yeah, and Chris is the last brother to pass away. But that's, even that, there's other tragedy in the family. I Chris mean, is not the last brother. There's one more. Carrie. Oh, I'm, I, I, I didn't write Carrie down. Am I Carrie. Carrie, pa Carrie passed away um, after his brothers got, are gone. He is heard saying multiple times that he wants to be with his brothers. And he's even heard kind of um, commemorating what, what Mike and Chris did, saying that it took a lot of courage for them to do what they did in, in committing suicide. And eventually Carrie commits suicide with the gun that he gave to his father as a Father's Day present. He shoots himself in the heart. And um, yep. just like in the movie, it was in, it wasn't like, I don't think it was right in that spot that they showed that he. It was in the, I believe the spot they chose was actually where Chris uh, yeah. committed suicide. That sounds. That's a, how they melded the Sounds together. right. Watch, Chris, watch the documentary. Yeah, Chris committed suicide in the yard. And I right. think that Carrie committed suicide up on a hill because um, it was still on the property. But yeah, it's, it's a very it's, complicated story with messy, a lot yeah. of tragedies. But that, that was two years after in 93. And this was after he lost his foot in 86. Uh, and like we mentioned earlier, he, Carrie felt the pressure, whether it was from himself or his dad or a mixture of both, you know, to hide that, you know, and, and to wrestle with the prosthetic and to not let anyone know. Which like, to me is also ironic because hiding, having this shameful feeling around the amputation, but really shouldn't it be all the more impressive that he's going into the right. ring and wrestling That's what I was thinking. with I was like, an amputated holy crap. leg? You wrestled for that many years with a amputated leg? Like, that's crazy. And all, it? It's all the more difficult when you weigh 258, 260 pounds, like, yeah. to carry all that weight on a prosthetic. And, and you're, like, athletic events. jumping. Yeah. You know, like, your, your feet, your ankles, your calves are a, a very valuable yeah. part yeah. to jumping. They say that, like, obviously his athleticism suffered after that injury and it was yeah. obvious in the ring but so his, his his motorcycle accident happened later than it was depicted in the film in the film it, he won the title and then basically that night he went for a motorcycle drive he was a little drunk got into an accident and then lost his foot uh but it was actually i think two maybe yeah. three years, years later that that accident actually occurred um, also a detail not seen in the movie is that he crashed into the back of a parked police car oh, um, and then he was brought up on drug charges um, and was fearing for going to prison and all of these things together feeling presumably like his life was crashing down around him. Um, I mean, he was married with children too. So mm -hmm. all of these difficulties going on, he succumbed to uh, the depression and committed suicide. It was, it was also interesting too. He did wrestle in the WWE, I believe. 
but it was under a different name. It wasn't uh, Texas even, Tornado. Yeah, it wasn't even Von Eric. Which... I have all the the brothers' uh, ring monikers here. So Kevin was known as the Golden Warrior. David Von Eric, known as the Yellow Rose of Texas. Kerry Von Eric was known by the Modern Day Warrior, but also the Texas Tornado when he went to the WWE. Uh, and then Mike was also known as the Inspirational Warrior. Interesting. One thing that was very interesting to me that happened in both the movie and real life was when Kevin kind of lost control and was in the rink and got Ric Flair, right, in the Iron Claw and wouldn't let go. It cost him the title because he got disqualified. Yeah, and it was crazy because in the film, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is going on forever. Why isn't anyone, like, pulling him off? You know, like, just grab him. Yeah. And then in the documentary, they show the same clip of it actually happening. It's like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> no one stopped That's yeah. actually how it seemed to go down, you know, like, based off of those two clips. Like, it seemed like that's a very realistic depiction of how that, fight ended up going uh which is crazy what a crazy tragedy honestly just talking about it all back to back to back right now it's like i feel sad again like, yeah so like you know how do we take this tragedy and do what the movie did and turn it into something positive and hopeful to end our podcast i have some kind of fun stuff here um that are just differences from the movie and reality i know we talked about some of them already but here's like some other minute details that were changed you want to go over that Yes, in the hopes that it's I, just let me wipe my tears. <laughs> so um, obviously I already talked about how Kevin seems to have uh, more respect for his father in real life. And that that's another tragedy that I forgot that I feel like deserves to be mentioned in this episode. But the, the father, Fritz uh, von Erich, actually passed away from uh, lung cancer that had spread to his brain. Mm -hmm. You saw this in the documentary where he had brain cancer and was talking to Kevin, telling him, horrible things and that kevin attributed to the the brain cancer affecting his mind but uh yeah he passed away as well i think at the in the 60s maybe 69 if i'm remembering correctly mm -hmm. um so much for that family to go through but other details that change from the movie to so from reality to the movie as well um mike started wrestling before david's death not because of david's death so wrestling yep. obviously just being in the family um in real life there was a fake brother that was added yeah roster you, you wasn't that crazy yeah. so they they added a brother um after david passed i believe to to fill in and join in on their von eric team kind um, of backfired a little bit yeah it, it backfired because um kevin and carrie were against it probably for multiple reasons probably because yeah. they didn't want to replace their brother who had passed away and they sure. kevin said they didn't want to lie to their fans either because they had always been truthful with them and fans could tell even though he was a lookalike to them fans could tell that he wasn't a real von eric and they mm -hmm. didn't appreciate kind of uh, being lied to in that sense. And that was kind of one of the early downtrends to their career because they have this downtrend in the late 80s uh, or past 85. They start to have a downtrend where they're they're seen as these, you know, holy and, and, and Christian and virtuous boys, but they're obviously having some trouble with the law at some points and being some of them being involved with drugs and then the stories of suicide as well. That has its implications for the Christian faith also. So in some sense, Texas or, or the fans started to turn away from them a little bit in that time period. Um, but then we've got that, um, I already mentioned that Kerry crashed into the back of a police car um, and that he was being brought up on drug charges. It's, it's kind of nice, I think, in a sense that the movie, it doesn't go into detail more than it needs to. It also doesn't hold back on some of that. I mean, it shows them doing drugs and drinking and the party lifestyle that I'm sure came with it in a, in a sense of realism. But there isn't a need to drag the name of some of these people through the mud who have 
gone through so much also. So I, I think the movie tempers that line really well while still being faithful. Um, let's see. Oh, and then um, you brought up one of the, my other details as well, Carrie. Um, the the two-year time the, period the difference. Motor, motorcycle the motorcycle accident. accident. Yeah. And my last one here is I have the heights for the three or for, for the four main brothers that wrestled and then the height of the actors. And we'll oh, see, yeah. We'll see how far off they were. So... I, I didn't want the, the weight for the actors, I think, is a lot of speculation. So I didn't use the weight because sure. you look up Zach Efron's weight, it says 165. There's no way he's 165 Not in, this in, movie. in this movie. Nope. Maybe in like 17 again or, <laughs> uh, or, or Neighbors or something. Yeah. Um, but so Carrie, uh, the biggest of the Von Ericks, he is, is 6'2, coming in at 260 pounds. Jeremy Allen White, who plays him, how tall would you say he is? He's in. He's like what five eight, five nine, five seven, five seven. Yeah, considerable difference yeah. In, in height and mass. Um, Kevin Von Erich was six two, and an impressive six hundred or two hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Where did I get the six from? He's because he's, he's six. A, he's six two. He's a super wrestler. <laughs> no, he's Hulk. No, so he's Kevin Von Erich. Two forty. Six two, two forty. Huge. Dang. And Zach Efron, we know he's five eight. Yeah. Um, considerably shorter. Um, and then David was the tallest of the brothers. He was 6'8", 230 pounds. Jeez. Um, played by Harris Dickinson, who is the tallest and of he, the actors. But he, he weighed that much less than the other brothers? Yeah, dude. That's, that's how crazy. That's how stacked, stacked they Carrie were. Was. Yeah. Carrie was a muscle monster. <laughs> I think that's why he was so popular in the ring and why he had the biggest, most successful wrestling career out of the brothers and going on to the WWE and everything. And he was the one that was going to make it to the Olympics. Yeah. Well, because just he was... A, a he was athletic him. He was monster. him. Yeah, he was literally him. <laughs> so, uh, so Harris Dickinson being the tallest of the actors, he's six two. He's the height of the shortest of the other brothers. <laughs> um, and then Mike was was six two and two hundred thirty eight pounds. And jeez, uh, I, I couldn't find uh, Simmons's yeah his height. I couldn't find it on a Google search. But there is obviously a big difference. Dang, in comparison, I'm six foot, two hundred and five pounds. And you're what? Just shy of six? Five eleven, one one eighty five. Yeah. Those are big guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're huge, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Dude. Texas tornado. He's That's a right. He's a monster. He's huge. That's right. All right. Still though, credits were credits due to the the actors who put on a lot of muscle for yeah, the role. It's definitely convincing that they could do and did yeah. a lot of their stuff. Movies are about looking big, not being huge. Yeah, right. <laughs> we can't all be Alan Richardson. Right. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> he would have been a good cast, but he's just a little too old for for the age they had the brothers. Yeah. Yeah. He Yeah, that would have been an interesting. He's yeah, definitely too old for sure. I think the actors did a fantastic job. Though. Oh yeah, I wouldn't change yeah. them out. No, they for something great. for something frivolous like that. You know, it's 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 a big part of who these people are in real life is how big they were. It's a big yeah. part of their persona and their wrestling. But it wasn't absolutely critical to the movie that they be these, you know, right. they don't be as big as wrestlers. So that kind of wraps up our movie review of the Iron Claw. This movie highly recommended. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you have seen it, great. You know, let us, off let, us, seen it. let us know in the comments how you liked the movie, what you thought of the podcast, which which category of our six categories is your favorite that you would give the highest rating to. I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. We have our Discord link in the description. 
Um, and you can also check out some of our merch. We have our shirts and stuff. We have our short film coming out eventually. Uh, it'll be here soon. But no, at the end of January, we're hoping to submit it to short films. So we're hope, yeah, for short film festival. So hopefully we'll be able to get that done on time to where we can submit it to there. And then we just have to look up the rules to see if we can post it before it airs at the festival, uh, which will be in summertime. So uh, definitely sometime in the next few months. Uh, we have another few projects in mind for the for this year. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. We post full episodes like this one every Monday and Thursday. So you can be sure to check us out on those days. But then we're also on shows. Then we're also on social media. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my brain was trying to remember all the social media <laughs> accounts that we're on Facebook, at the same time. Instagram, TikTok, tell YouTube, them, all tell of them. X slash Twitter. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. That, we're, we're not don't there. even bother. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much for watching. Leave a comment down below. And we'll see you on the next one. And that's a wrap. Oh, wait, we didn't wrestle. We didn't wrestle. <laughs> Oh, no! <laughs>